You're listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. I'm Garrett Ashley Mullet, and I want to talk about everything. So you're confirming that accounts have been frozen, both personal and corporate, but you're not releasing the information. And the actual follow-up is, um, I'm just wondering whether the bank accounts will be targeted of individuals who donated to the Give, Send, Go and the GoFundMe campaigns. Are they considered designated people under the Emergencies Act, meaning that their credit cards could be cut and financial services are targeting them as well? Okay, so the names of both individuals and entities as well as crypto wallets have been shared by the RCMP with financial institutions and accounts have been frozen and more accounts will be frozen. Uh, Crowdfunding platforms and payment service providers have started the registration process with FinTrack. Uh, In terms of the specifics on whose accounts are being frozen, uh, you now have the regulations. The financial service providers have those regulations as well. And they, working with law enforcement, will be making the operational decisions. Welcome back to the Garrett Ashley Mullet Show. This is Garrett Ashley Mullet. And I want to talk about everything, and that includes that clip that I just played for you from the Deputy Prime Minister of Canada, answering reporters' questions after a little bit of chuckles, a little bit of laughing and having a good time and not being too worried, not being too worked up about the fringe minority in Canada who are seeing their accounts frozen, an undetermined number of people are having their financial accounts frozen, their bank accounts, their crypto wallets, etc., etc., frozen if they are related in any way to the Freedom Convoy protests in Canada. One wonders what institutions will do when it is just left up to them. Hey, here's some names. Here are some people we've identified who are problematic, who have contributed to these protests across the country. Use your best judgment. Freeze their accounts. Lock them out of their ability to access money. And we'll just see what happens. We'll see what comes of that. We'll see if maybe that uh, chills them out that calms them down. What do you think will happen? Do you think that's going to calm people down? Or does that represent an escalation? You know, it's a curious thing that you have people who are tired of the mandates, tired of being told you must wear a mask, you must get this vaccine, you can't go to these places, you can't associate with these people, you can't do X, Y, Z, and the protesters and the people who are giving money to these protesters, to these demonstrators, to these dissenters, these objectors, the folks participating directly and indirectly, whether by showing up or by giving money, their complaint is that this is a violation of 
their rights. They are being repressed. This is totalitarianism. This is wrong. And it's so fascinating to me that as if to prove their point, as if to prove that we are in a serious lot of trouble here, the Canadian government under Justin Trudeau and his deputy prime minister double down. And not only do they freeze the accounts so as to punish and repress the folks who were not able to show up but were able to give money, they also have cracked down on the protesters as of yesterday. Ottawa, Ottawa police, Ottawa is the capital of the country of Canada. Ottawa police moved in on the protesters and arrested many and roughed up more than a few from the video that I saw at Not The Bee and put out bulletins to journalists, media personalities. One of several articles, entries at Not The Bee is by Planet Moron, which is not a very nice thing to call yourself. Who knows who Planet Moron is? Maybe that's us. I don't know. In any event, 11.47 a.m., February 18th, which was yesterday, because today is Saturday, February 19th. The title is, Things Just Keep Getting More Fashy-tastic in Canada as Ottawa Police Threaten the Media with Arrest If Found in, quote, Areas Undergoing Enforcement, end quote. And I'm going to read for you the tweet from the Ottawa Police Department. Quote, all media who are attending the area, please keep a distance and stay out of police operations for your safety. Anyone found within areas undergoing enforcement may be subject to arrest. There will be media availability later today at 474 Elgin Street, Ott News, hashtag Ott News, O-T-T-N-E-W-S. All the news that is fit to print, just ask the Ottawa Police Department, they'll tell you what you need to know. But don't be in the area or else we might arrest you. I like the translation at Not the Bee. All media who are attending the area, please keep a distance and stay out of police operations. Planet Moron translates All media who are attending the area, please don't actually attend the area. <laughs> Quote, for your safety. Translation, for our safety. Quote, anyone found within areas undergoing enforcement may be subject to arrest. Translation, anyone found within areas where actual news is occurring will be arrested at our whim. Quote, there will be a media availability later today at 474 Elgin Street. Translation, we will tell you what to report later today at 474 Elgin Street. Further down on this link... Another screenshot, another share of a tweet from the Ottawa Police Department. And I quote, all caps, demonstrators, normal case. You must leave. 
you must cease further unlawful activity and immediately remove your vehicle and or property from all unlawful protest sites. Anyone within the unlawful protest site may be arrested. So, what we find is that they have had it. They're tired of protests. They're tired of this quote-unquote fringe minority interfering with the boring, peaceful life of Ottawa, the capital city. Tired of this disruption to what? What was happening? I loved one of the Babylon Bee. This is not the bee that I've been reading for you, but one of the Babylon Bee articles recently ran the headline, Trudeau demands protesters stop shutting down cities so that he can shut down city, which is too funny. You can't do that. I can do that. Only I can do that. How dare you? Some other gems from the Babylon Bee. Trudeau reorganizes Canada into the first galactic empire for a safe and secure society. <laughs> Another one. Trudeau watching old footage of Tiananmen Square for ideas. It's a reference to communist China, who Trudeau in recent years invited into Canada to perform winter military drills and exercises just right over the border just over the border with the U.S., preparing for if they would have to have war in a wintry place, a cold wintry place like Canada or um, the United States, maybe. I don't know. Very kind of him. Very considerate. Another Babylon Bee article headline, Trudeau announces invasion of Poland. So that one, just to explain the humor, that's a nod to Trudeau sounding a lot like Hitler, talking about the fringe minority of people who are often racist and misogynistic and neo-Nazis and want people to die and hate science. And we have to decide whether we're going to tolerate these people in our society. Ooh, tolerate them. You mean like allowing them to have access to their money? or freely move around the country, or attend church, or go to work, or decide what gets put into their body or doesn't get put into their body. You mean like that kind of toleration? Uh, another gem here, another winner. Xi Jinping criticizes Trudeau's heavy-handed approach. <laughs> Ooh, ouch. Yet another, Trudeau tests positive for fascism. Yeah, where's Antifa when you need them? Hey guys, could use your help up there in uh, Canada. There's some actual fascism going on. Uh, still another, Trudeau having difficulty teaching Canadian Mounties to goose step. Which is funny, because it's Canada. You'd think they were going to be uh, better at uh, emulating goose. Maybe they'll figure it out. Uh, one last one. Not that this is all that's left. There's plenty more because this is just a gold mine of comedy. Trudeau orders all geese rounded up and shot for honking in solidarity with truckers. Yes, indeed. 
those terroristic geese. You should uh, clip their wings and have them shot. Definitely. Definitely terroristic geese. I've heard that those geese are uh, oftentimes racist and misogynistic and science deniers. You know, you could probably curb global warming if you just stopped the geese from flying back north. I've noticed a, a trend, right, where the geese fly south in the winter, which is probably causing winter. You maybe wouldn't have so much winter if you would just keep them from flying south, or if you want to keep it from warming up again, just reduce the number of geese who can fly back again. Pro tip. In all seriousness, though, what is happening in Canada is a uh, laugh-so-you-don't-cry sort of a situation. When you see pastors arrested for having church services despite the lockdowns, put in solitary confinement, having their individual rights violated. When you see before that and the years prior to COVID, pastors being threatened with arrest if they preached against the new LGBTQ orthodoxy. Uh, Canada has been sliding towards this moment for several years. And the moderate folks here in America who want nothing so much as minding their own business, being entertained, amusing themselves to death, to quote Neil Postman, the mushy middle folks here in America, in my experience, have been shrugging for a long time. And what I've observed is that the folks who like to shrug when trouble is coming are also the exact same folks who, once trouble arrives, continue shrugging, only they change their talking point from, that'll never happen here, to, well, there's nothing that can be done about it now. In actual Nazi Germany, ideas had consequences. The lead-up to the final solution to the Jewish problem was a series of writings and speeches and actions by brown shirts. It did not all come in an instant. There were warning signs ahead of time. This is the trouble with collectivism. This is the trouble with totalitarianism. And, sadly, one of the things that we learn from history is that people routinely do not learn the lessons of history. The lesson of history is that those who study history are doomed to watch it repeat over and over again. <laughs> While the folks who find history boring prefer to just experience it. Don't give away the ending. It's like you're watching a movie with somebody who's never seen this one before. No, no, no. Don't, don't give anything away. No spoilers, okay? I just want to watch this one play out. And that's the trouble, is that the folks who don't want any spoilers, who don't like reading history, who don't think of history in cyclical terms, prefer passivity. That's what it really comes down to. They prefer to be passive agents rather than active agents. They prefer to just let it happen so long as it's not my fault, so long as I don't have to take any responsibility for it. You can check out yesterday's episode in which I talked about 
Bill Maher, real time with Bill Maher, host, wait for it, Bill Maher. Bill Maher is the host of Real Time with Bill Maher. Go figure. It'd be kind of weird if he wasn't. But you can go back to yesterday's episode and check out my thoughts on why Bill Maher sounds increasingly like a conservative, all the while insisting he hasn't changed. You know what would actually be helpful rather than you trying to cover your own butt if you said, I was wrong. How about that? Can't you just say, I was wrong. I contributed to this. But no. For the same reason, you liked all of these issues to be everybody's problem because it absolved you of responsibility. When it's everybody's problem, it's nobody's problem. It's the tragedy of the commons. Just vote for a government solution so that you don't personally have to step in, take a break from your partying, actually, you know, get engaged yourself. You can just make jokes. And then you don't even have to take responsibility for the jokes. When your jokes encourage a whole lot of the decision-making generation in this country, the voting generation, to join with you in libertine mockery and scoffing, and then we get what you paid for, just say, ah, I was joking. I was joking. It's just a joke. Come on, guys. I'm a comedian. What do you expect? Well, I expect that you will suffer And the good Lord knows. That's what I expect. I expect the folks who were laughing before don't laugh anymore at the same jokes that you were telling. You have changed because the situation has come to fruition and is continuing to develop. Meanwhile, the Ukrainian prime minister reportedly has fled the country because, once again, ideas have consequences. Ronald Reagan's peace through strength slogan and philosophy is the polar opposite of this president's philosophy. What happened in Afghanistan is what will happen, I think, in the Ukraine. Jen Psaki, White House press secretary, basically was called out by a reporter this week being asked, why are you waiting to put sanctions on Russia? Are you waiting for people to die? Is that what you're waiting for? These are Russian-backed separatists. Russia has amassed troops on the border, and supposedly they pulled back. And then you hear about artillery shelling. Where did the artillery come from? Who knows? Maybe the Canadian Freedom Convoy. Probably not. But the opposite of peace through strength is conflict because you created an inviting target. Soft targets are tempting to bad men. Vladimir Putin is a bad man. Xi Jinping is a bad man. Joe Biden is a weak man who used to be a bad man and still is, I think, a bad man. But He's a weak man. And to some extent, I think the weakness on these fronts, whether we're talking about Taiwan or we're talking about the Ukraine, I think in some sense this weakness is intentional, or at least there's enough reason to be concerned by reports of the Biden family's money laundering operations. 
pay-to-play influence peddling operations. News stories that were suppressed by a leftist media in this country, which if and when they figure out how to do their jobs, it'll be too late. In fact, it may already be too late. We may find ourselves in World War III for very similar reasons, along very similar lines to how about 100 years ago we found ourselves in World War II. Because, again, the lesson of history is that the folks who actually read history and pay attention to it are doomed to watch everyone else who doesn't read history, repeat history. (laughs) And yet, I see a new story from the Daily Wire, Tim Meads reports, also yesterday, former Royal Canadian mounted police sniper Daniel Bulford turned himself in. I watched the video clip of him approaching the police line in Ottawa, I believe in Ottawa, and turning himself in. He had heard that he was going to be arrested, so he peacefully turned himself in. What is he being arrested for? Well, of course, for being a terrorist, right? Haven't you been paying attention? Haven't you been listening to anything? He's being arrested for being a terrorist. He has terroristically organized a peaceful protest and demonstration against totalitarianism. And so totalitarians are going to do what totalitarians do, and they will further deprive him of his rights. Romans 13 needs to be more closely examined than it has been by a whole lot of mushy middle type Christians and pastors are no less guilty. And when I say guilty, I don't mean that to be harsh towards them. But I do say that as a corrective, because Romans 13 is not just about our responsibility to submit. It is also about a government's responsibility before God to reward those who do good, to punish those who do evil. Imagine with me, if you will, how it would go over, either in the present or for future generations, if you had a marriage in trouble. And a married couple comes to a pastor, comes to the Christians in their local church, and says, we're having some trouble. We have a bit of a problem. Now, of course, in my scenario, it actually wouldn't be both of them but it would be the wife. We have a problem. My husband is controlling and abusive. And he calls me ugly names. He is mean to me. He won't let me leave the house. He monitors my every move. He criticizes my every decision. I have to ask him permission to do anything. Sometimes he hits me and shoves me and hurts me. Suppose the husband, meanwhile, says, yeah, we do have a problem. You know what the real problem here is? You're an unsubmissive wife. If you would just do what I tell you to do, we wouldn't have these problems. If you would just do what you're told, 
the Bible says to submit. So you're the reason for all this trouble. How dare you? Tell her to submit. Now suppose in that scenario, the pastor and the very serious Christians in the church, they're together, understandably, uncomfortable with the whole situation. It's just very uncomfortable. Suppose further that this husband is a pal, and he's got some leverage over them as well. He's just generally shown himself to be an overly aggressive and mean person when he doesn't get his way. And so he's mean towards other people in the church. Maybe not as mean as he is to his wife, but he's mean to other people in the church as well. And they don't want him to be mean to them. And so their advice is going to be, well, the Bible does say, wives, submit to your husbands. Do you feel like you've been very submissive? And just leave it at that. Just leave it at that. Say no more about it. Hope it goes away. She looks down at the floor. If she's honest, she says, well, I, you know, I could do a better job sometimes. I'm not always the best wife. I'm not a perfect wife. And suppose the Christian churchy response was, see, okay, there you have it. Well, miss, Mrs. Mrs. Smith, our advice to you would be do some soul searching and really pray about how you can be a better wife, how you can be a more submissive wife. That's our counsel. Okay? Let's pray for you. That would be unacceptable. The consequences of that sort of a response and saying no more about it would be damaging, to say the least. Not only to that marriage, but also to the general spiritual condition of that church. Any children involved would be also similarly in trouble. If the response was, okay, well, you have authority. She's under authority. The Bible says submit. What more is there to the story? Okay, well, there's an answer to that question, actually. If we were diligently being Bereans about this, we would know the answer. We would know the truth, and the truth would set us free. There's more to it than just the wife submitting to her husband. There is the responsibility of the husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church. And just like the wife is supposed to be submitting to her husband, yes, that's true, and that's good, and we are far too uncomfortable with that in the vast majority of cases. We have, on the whole, generally speaking, a bigger problem, I would say, in America anyways, with the reverse dysfunction. You can have it dysfunctional both ways. Men and women are equal opportunity sinners by nature of original sin, being born with a sinful nature. It looks different, typically, with men and women, but there is a responsibility for the husband to love his wife as Christ loved the church, holistically. Jesus had compassion on the crowds when they came out to hear him preach and teach and realized after a few days that they had run out of food. They were not adequately prepared to be gone from home this long, and they were hungry. So what does Jesus do? He has compassion on them, and he provides 
food by God's grace. Sick, lame, blind, deaf, dumb, demon-possessed people would come to hear Jesus preach. And Jesus had compassion, the Gospels record. Jesus had compassion on them and healed them and cast out their demons and forgave their sins holistically. He gave them truth and love. And don't buy the lie that it's an either or. Either you get the truth or you get love. No, 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 no. Both end. Those who worship God will worship him in spirit and in truth. We don't say be warmed and filled in any measure. The husband in that scenario is himself under authority. When he stops believing that he is under authority, that's when it gets dangerous. So also, when Christian leadership, when churches, when well-meaning, mushy-middle Christians respond to people being oppressed by saying, you're supposed to submit. Romans 13 says you're supposed to submit and say no more about it. Have you been submitting as perfectly as you could have? Be honest. We'll pray for you. The only problem I see here is you're just not submitting hard enough. If you would just submit harder, this person with authority over you would do their job. And that's whether we're talking about people in authority who have authority or people under authority, that is a perpetual problem as old as the fall when one side says, oh, I'm not going to do what I'm supposed to until they do what they're supposed to. This is part of why the Apostle Paul, who will himself be put to death by the Roman government, writes to the church in the capital city of the Roman Empire to say, submit yourselves to the governing authorities. For no authority is instituted among men except by God. And the governing authorities are a minister of God to reward those who do good and to punish those who do evil. He does not bear the sword for nothing. Now, if we read that too quickly and too conveniently, if we are not Bereans about it, we will only say to the governed, be warmed and filled. Submit harder next time. We'll pray for you. But we will not say to the government, you yourself are under authority. And if you don't believe that you're under authority yourself, oh buddy, we're headed for trouble. If you believe that you are God, and besides you there is no other, we will see a repeat of so many, too many, well-documented authoritarian, totalitarian moments from the 20th century. You know, I was just reading this brilliant article, and my dear friend, Joseph Crampton, who I love as a brother, I haven't known him for a long time, but I just so appreciate his attitude and his perspective. It's a pleasure to know you, Joseph. You can check out his commentary at, I believe, his newly created website. I don't know how long it's been around, but I only became recently aware of it since I've been back on Facebook. I think our good friend Bobby McPherson built the website for Mr. Crampton. But I would encourage you to check out Joseph Crampton's website, josephcrampton.com. 
That's J-O-S-E-P-H-C-R-A-M-P-T-O-N dot C-O-M. You knew how to spell com. In this day and age, (laughs) when we're all about to be living under communist tyranny, I should hope you would know how to spell com. But he writes, February 18th, 2022, just yesterday, Religious Liberty and Inalienable Rights, American Public Policy and Human Dignity. I'll throw a link in the description for this episode. You can read it in in its entirety. But he begins, Article 18 of the Universal Declaration of Human Rights proclaims, quote, Everyone has the right to freedom of thought, conscience, and religion. This right includes the freedom to change his religion or belief and freedom either alone or in community with others and in public or private to manifest his religion or belief in teaching, practice worship and observance, end quote. This document from the UN General Assembly of 1948 was intended to be a common standard of achievement for all peoples and all nations. And that was a quote, a common standard of achievement for all peoples and nations, end quote. But the principles contained in it have not been universally acknowledged by all human governments either before or since it was written. And while there is more than a hint of classical liberal idealism here, I remain committed to a belief in universal human dignity, which should be reflected in certain inalienable rights, the rights of conscience, religion, and belief, chief among these. During the Middle Ages, Crampton writes, priests and popes, quote, wielded a robust influence on their king, emperor, and the laws of the realm, end quote. With the dawning of the 17th century, however, the cultural tide turned and the world of politics began to view religion with hostility. By the 20th century, the world was so thoroughly secularized that in 1966, Time magazine printed starkly on its cover, Is God Dead? Recalling German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche's audacious assertions at the end of the previous century, end quote. The world appeared to be leaving the realm of divine revelation in the hopes of a white-robed clergy of scientists. Like the editors of Time, many thought the secularization thesis, which predicted the diminishing and eventual defeat of religion, was the inexorable direction of Western culture, but the eventual reality may well be more nuanced than that. Now he goes on to say, in quoting and summarizing, Paul Johnson's Modern Times, quote, the collapse of the religious impulse among the educated classes in Europe at the beginning of the 20th century left a vacuum that was filled by politicians wielding power under the banner of totalitarian ideologies, whether blood and soil fascism or atheistic communism, thus the attempt to live without God made idols of politics and produced centuries gangster statesmen, Stalin, Hitler, Mao, Paul Pot whose unappeasable appetite for controlling mankind unleashed in unimaginable horrors. That is to say, it is not the role of the church to withdraw. It is not the job of Christians to be silent. It is not the job of pastors to steer clear of all that. It is always, and in all places, the job of of the Christian to share the good news, and you cannot share the good news unless you're willing to correctly identify the problem. The problem right now is that we live in a government-as-God time. 
and yet government, human government, makes a very poor God. And so we find ourselves under judgment along the lines of Isaiah chapter 3. We are a nation under judgment. Canada is further along in that than we are, I think, thanks to Trudeau. The system of checks and balances in this country is not a bug. It is a feature. It is not a violation of Romans 13. It is an effort at helping the governing authority who is a minister of God to be a good steward of the power and authority and opportunity invested in the governing authority by God's grace. Without accountability, without correction, without mutual submission, man and his human nature, his sinful nature, will do awful and terrible things. I'm going to play for you a very, very brief clip because I don't want to get in trouble. A very brief clip from a song called Run by AWOL Nation. Take a listen. bad news. <laughs> That's the bad news in a nutshell. Just play that on a loop over and over again in your head. You want to become acquainted with human nature. If you will dare to study history and take a good long look in the mirror. That's the bad news. That's why we medicate in a million ways and try to numb ourselves. And yet that only makes it worse. That is one of the terrible things that we do. And obsessing over the bad things, that's not good either, right? Philippians chapter 4 says that we should think on these things, whatever things are excellent and good and praiseworthy and noble and right and honorable. We should think on these things. That's not power of positive thinking nonsense. That's live a fruitful Christian life. And yet, if you read God's word, you see his servants, his people, his son, first and foremost, but God the Father speaking through the prophets and apostles, calling people who are capable of terrible things to repentance. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. That is the dying prayer of martyrs throughout church history. But the idea is not forgive them so that they can go on sinning, that grace might abound all the more. No, that is forgive them, restore them. 
I'm going to leave it there. It is a Saturday morning, but I am working. I should get to work. But I'll leave you with just a little bit more. I think we can do a little bit more, just just a touch more of A Wall Nation from this track. Very dramatic. As always, thank you for listening. Until next time, God bless. We'll close it out with Run by A Wall Nation. Run. You've been listening to The Garrett Ashley Mullet Show on Anchor FM. For more content like what you just heard, subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify. Also check out thegarrettashleymulletshow.com to subscribe to email alerts when new episodes are published. As always, you can reach me with any comments, questions, complaints, objections, or insights at garrettashleymullet at protonmail.com. 